Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. I don't think I shared this story with you guys yet. When we were down in West Virginia, uh, Dad and I, for a three-day trip, my uncle, who, um, uh, I don't even want to make a joke out of it, we're very similar. He's just constantly saying stupid things. And uh, <laughs> he was asking me about the church and whatnot, and he, he was saying that I needed to come down there and, and start a church. And I told him, he said, West Virginia won't have me. Well, I just, th- this is a whole different ballgame. And he's, he points to his Bible, as long as you're preaching out of that, you'll be fine. I was like, okay. And so then he started watching a little bit of video of me preaching and <laughs> video of our worship team playing. And uh, his very first one, this is what came to mind, was uh, he goes, are you sitting? Yeah. I said, I usually sit with my back's holding if I'm just not, you know, if my, my legs are kind of feeling weak or whatnot. I'll, I'll sit. And he goes, we don't want you in West Virginia. <laughs> so you guys are stuck with me for a while. <clears throat> he also loved the attire and the music, and uh, God bless him. Okay, so, but we got to get back into our gifts. Uh, as you know, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about the miraculous gifts. We've talked about the team ministry gifts, how each of us, when we accept Jesus as leader and forgiven in our life by acknowledging with our mouth that he's the Son of God and believing in our hearts he died and rose again and that the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And through that, we have different spiritual gifts that we are made for us to be able to work together as a church to be able to do. Right now, we're in the, um, the enabling gifts. And we'll go ahead and put those up, uh, if you would. Nothing's not working. Okay, well, just keep talking while Michael works on that, because here comes Michael, the man of all trades. Uh, so, but with the enabling gifts, they are the gifts that are available to each of us as Christians that empower the other gifts that we have, empower us for our life, empower us for our, our ministry. Um, the first one that we looked at was faith. We looked at that last week by looking at the life of who? Noah. Noah. Good job. And uh, how his example, what we can lean into. And the next three that we're going to be talking about kind of sound the same, but they have unique differences between them. So I want to make sure we kind of um, painfully go through those and make sure that, that we understand the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. They all have to come with something within our minds. It all has to do with something within our understanding, but they do have their uniquenesses as well. So today what we're going to start with is discernment and how that works in our lives. Um, I will give you, thankfully, the first definition is short for our note takers. Uh, just a working definition. Again, a lot of times we define words differently, especially with these three being so close together. Uh, the definition that we want to start with is discernment is the ability to judge. Discernment is the ability to judge. That's all I'm going to say for right now. My hope, my prayer is as we get into it more, as we continue to dive into it more throughout this study uh, today, is that we'll have a broader understanding of that. But if we have the general understanding, it's it's, it's the the ability to judge between what's right and wrong or what's God and what's Satan, that's going to get us in the, the proper standpoint to be able to look at today's example, today's testimony, um, of the summit. Any guesses on who we're going to look at today? If you did not look at the Facebook event, which gives it away? Fred. Fred. <laughs> yes, we're going to look at Fred. 
Michelle, if you can just smack her in the back of the head, just no, not hard. We'll save that for later. <laughs> nobody, nobody looked on Facebook. Man. We're gonna look at Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. What? Yeah, we're gonna look at the uh, the testimony of Rahab the prostitute today. So, if you would go ahead and get your Bibles out, we're going to Joshua chapter two. Uh, towards the beginning of the book, you got the five books there that uh, Moses wrote, uh, and then Joshua is who's taking over right after that point. So. Again, I always tell you, I don't think it's any good at any particular time, but it's page 329 in my Bible. If you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles underneath the chairs and the baskets around if you want to use it. Uh, and also, that, that works too. Uh, <laughs> the girls up here are just kind of, not these girls, these girls. We've got a whole generation of troublemakers. Uh, but we also have version up and running as well. So if you want to use version app, you just look at the local events, TSF, and today's date, and all that information will be there as well. Uh, okay, Michelle, did you reprimand them? Did you get them? Did you get them? No, I can get the Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, you version. Uh, and if you ever want to sign into our internet, our uh, password is fellowship, all lowercase. So you could do that as well. Um, so with that, we're going to go into Rahab the, the prostitute's testimony. And uh, it's one of my favorite ones, to be honest with you, even though it's, uh, I think people who don't know much about the Bible would think it's an unlikely one to have a, a hero of our faith um, be, be someone of, uh, that has as a prostitute, but it's right up God's lane. He always uses those of us who are the least of these. Matter of fact, uh, I think if you go back just a couple, Lisa, there's a verse there from Hebrews 11 that if... Um, you remember last week we looked at Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, which has multiple testimonies of different people that were counted worthy because of their faith. Rahab is the last one mentioned in detail. There's some mentioned in suburbia, but by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So she's also in that, that book of faith, and we're going to look a little bit more in depth on her story today. So as we get to Joshua 2, just a little bit of what's before this. Again, we had Moses. I think most of us have heard of Moses. Moses is leading the Israelites. There's one point after he leads them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, bless you, through the Red Sea, and then takes and um, comes up against the promised land. And he takes and sends in spies to check out the promised land. Again, God's already told him it's yours, but he sent in spies. The spies come back. Two of them say, we can take it. Because God told us we could take it. And the rest of them are like, you guys are idiots because there's no way we can go against these guys. They have much more men. They have much more military. They have much more resources. We would die if we go for this. And only two of them said, it doesn't matter. We have faith in our God. And unfortunately, that was enough to put them back into the wilderness for another 39 and a half years. Why they learned to be humble before God instead of just looking at their own accord. Moses did the same thing from 40 to 80 years old. Remember that? best person to be able to lead them to do the exact same thing as they wandered in the wilderness. So after all that wandering, they come back up against the promised land. Moses now passes away, and they need a new leader. The new leader is Joshua. Joshua is one of the two spies who in his youth said, I don't care what you say, God's got this, and God chooses him to be the leader. Okay, so we see faith continuing to move in this over and over again. And so this is the story of Joshua coming up and the Israelites coming up against the promised land for the second time after wandering around for about 40 years. So we'll read a little, talk a little. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot. I want most of the commentary to be at the end, but uh, we will just make sure we're all on the same page. Okay, good. Chapter 2, verse 1. Okay. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim, 
make sure you pronounce that correctly, as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So we have Rahab's introduction uh, with the spies that are going into Jericho to be able to check things out. They come into a house. Now keep in mind that a prostitute at this time would also be running basically the local inn, her services on the side. So they come into her hotel, let's call it that. Verse 2, it was told to the king of Jericho, (coughs) Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent the Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you and entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. So she's busted. It's now, now moved throughout that she's in there. Now, she's not in any trouble at this point because they just came into a hotel. That's not, that's not her responsibility. They, they're just coming to get the men. Then there's that lovely, lovely word you know I love in the Scripture. Verse 4, but, didn't go the way that you expected it to, but Rahab had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. To pursue them quickly, for you will easily overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the, on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. She saved them. Okay, I mean, I, it's actually somewhat of a funny scene if you think of it from a movie standpoint. She saved them. She hid them upstairs. She's like, they just went out the door. You can catch them. You got them. So they all run out uh, the city, and they just shut the doors. And now these guys are extremely safe because all the guys have now run out trying to find them out in the wilderness. Verse 8, before the men lay down, in other words, they were going to sleep. They have a place where now they can rest. They, before they, they lay down, she came up to the roof and said to them, Look, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Shaho and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard about it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now, please swear to me by the Lord that as I dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our lives for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So at this point, we have a covenant. Remember, I was talking about this last week. We have an agreement between two people, and the tangible is going to be coming up here in just a second. Verse 15, Then she let them down by rope through the window, for her house was built into a city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come to the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. There's your tangible. Um, And you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid upon anyone who is with you in this house, his blood shall be on our head. 
But if you tell this business of ours, that, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you, shall make, that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Let me just finish this up because I think it's pretty cool. 22, they departed and went into the hills and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned and they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the lands melt away because of us. So when this is going on, and she's got this opportunity, I mean, I, I think the, the main pivoting point of the story is just simply this. She had a choice to make. She they had the spies in her house, and she had a choice to make on whether or not she went with her people or she went with God's people. Do you see that, right? And so within those two choices, the, the main choices that she had very easily was she could give them up or she could protect them. And everything from a worldly standpoint, remember when we talked about Noah, about the earthly reasons he had and the, the, to believe and the earthly reasons he had not to believe and all those things. From an earthly perspective, the smartest thing that she could do is give up the spies from just an earthly perspective. It's her people, and they're not her people. They've come to destroy her people. And if we think about Noah from the standpoint of how gut-wrenching it would be to know the people that he loved and cared about were set up for destruction, She's in the same boat. Outside of a father, a mother, and a family, there's everything in her life will be destroyed. And I've heard some people say, well, because she was a prostitute, people made fun of her, people treated She was considered a, a good businesswoman in her, in her community at this time and within this culture. So it wasn't that she was just completely trashed on all the time. Now, she didn't have much of a life outside of what she knew, but she did have a community that she should want to protect. So she wants to keep the status quo in life and staying comfortable with everything that's there. All she had to do is wash her hands of it. They, she says, yep, they're upstairs. They go get them. They take them out. She's done. It's the same thing as Pilate when, with Jesus' crucifixion. I don't see any reason for this, but you know, I wash my hands of it. That's on you guys. It's now on you guys. She could have easily done that. Now, you and I know from the big picture, it wouldn't have lasted very long, but because God is going to do what God's going to do. But she naturally would have no reason to understand that. This is not her God. This is not her people. So she very easily could have gone that route. Now, one thing that we know is God doesn't really care so much about the status quo. So when we make decisions for the status quo, we're usually off base to begin with. But somehow, again, this Gentile prostitute knew better. So... The other decision is to take and protect the spies, which, again, makes no worldly sense. Uh, they're, they're the enemy of the people. Uh, if it's kind of like if you turn on 6 o'clock news tomorrow night and Pastor Tom Hypes was arrested because he was hiding Chinese spies in the basement of his house when the CIA came knocking, that's basically what she's doing here. So she's hiding spies from another people. She could lose everything from it. She could lose all of her business because of everything she knows. There are those within um, Christian historian uh, type ballpark of things. We do not proof of this, but it's believed that she could have been starting prostitution as early as 10 years old and um, starting this business. She's, she appears to be somewhat of the spokesperson for her family, which is unheard of in this culture as well. Uh, so she could take a hit within her community, her business, 
probably supporting her entire family through this. Uh, she could lose her freedom, which she's, again, the representative of the family, and then also um, just her life. If she's caught for what she's doing, she's dead. She would be stoned or she would be murdered because of this. That's the decision she had, and she went with the latter. Why? Let's put up verse 9. Because she said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. We'll leave that there for a second. She knows it. She knows it. There's something within her understanding. There's something within her thought process. There's something in the way that she sees things that she is absolutely 100% sure that she knows that the Lord, once again, in the community she's in, they have multiple gods, little g. She knows that the Lord, the one, is the one has given them the land, <clears throat> and I want to be on his side. That, that's the only thing I know within all of this. Whatever the danger, whatever the struggle, whatever the challenge is, I know what is right, and I know what is wrong. I know what is God, and I know what is not of God. How does she know it? <clears throat> According to her, the testimonies. I have heard about him splitting the Red Sea in front of you people. I've heard about him, him taking, giving you guys the two kings of the Amorites. <clears throat> and I, I love the fact as I've seen some people like, well, everybody felt that way. Just because she says they're all shaking in their boots doesn't mean everybody's going to do the right thing. Because are you guys worried about a carpenter bee? <laughs> Kathy, can you get up there and just smack that thing down so the kids behind you can just be fun? Okay. You guys good? Want to go that side? What? Well, it's a bumblebee, isn't it? Where's, where's Miss Howard? What is that? It looks like a carpenter bee to me from here. Okay, and even if it does, don't say anything, okay? Okay, yeah, carpenter bees, they'll get in your face, and that's about it. I've got them at home. Everybody good? I know that that's a carpenter bee. I know that the Lord has victory over that carpenter bee, and he has not given it a stinger. Okay, so, but when you look from that, that standpoint, from the testimonies that she has heard, she believes and she knows where these other people, even though they're shaking their boots, they're still pursuing them. They're still on the wrong side. They still know what's right and wrong from what they've heard from the testimonies too, but you have to continue to go from a worldly standpoint. You and I are not worldly people. We're not worldly people. If you accept Jesus, leave forgiven your life. We are spirit people, and we cannot continue to try to empower ourselves through human effort. It has to be from the spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit residing within us. So that knowledge dictates what we do. That's what we're finding from Rahab over and over and over again. The Lord your God, he is God in the heavens, above and on earth below, is what she says in verse 11. The truth <coughs> dictating is the discernment. So, let me give you a little side note there, because I usually get asked about this, so just in case anybody was wondering it. So, we're celebrating Rahab the prostitute uh, because of her faith, right? And she acted in faith. Everybody's good there, right? She saved the butts of God's people, right? So, she's counted as righteous. Uh, she lied. And usually somebody somewhere sakes and says, wait a minute, how is she being faithful if she lied? Because lying is typically thought of as a sin, is it not? I mean, it is one, one, of, the, one of the commandments. Um, and so people all, always ask, ask me, did she sin and God's grace covered it? And, uh, because, and then everything was good and she still counted as faith? Or was there somehow this, this particular lie not a sin? Uh, I have no freaking real idea. I don't know. Um, I do know that with Christ fulfilling the law, and we still have commandments in place, especially as we see confirmed in the New Testament, 
that Jesus is very much about the heart of that sin, more so than the details of the sin. So I don't know if her lie with the heart in the right place, being faithful to God, means it was not a sin. I get really scared coming up with that kind of stuff because there's a lot of people like try to pretend like they know. And I, I don't know. Um, but Jesus was talking to his brothers, and they're like, hey, are you going up to Jerusalem to show them all your miracles? And Jesus is like, no, it's not time yet. And then they left, and then he like took another route and went. Oh, wait a minute. Does, does Jesus just kind of, is that pulling their leg, and he's right up against the mode of it? Or it, was there an attempt for that? Or did he say, I'm not, it's not my time to go yet, but three seconds from now is? I mean, like, how technical is all that? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. If, if somebody came into my house with a gun and was wanting to kill my daughter, and I hit her in the basement, and they, they said, uh, where's your daughter? We came to kill her. I'm not going to go, oh, she's downstairs. Let me get the lights for you. You know, I mean, it's, um, I, I, I truly do not know. What I do know is that Rahab the prostitute was counted faithful because she stood for God when nobody else in her community would, and she saved his people, and he used her to be able to save others. For the love of goodness, I wish I had a camera on you for right now. Uh, <laughs> Justin, so, okay, this is my best impression of Justin right now. <laughs> Move! Go sit by Amanda. Amanda is the bee whisperer. She would literally talk to the bee, and the bee will kiss you on the nose. If you go sit by Amanda Howard, in a good way. Oh my gosh, I made Justin worse. Okay. They usually sit over there, and it's been flying around. They're clear over here. I was going to say, I don't think, I think that's Glenn. I don't think that's Amanda that's making that happen. Oh my goodness. Okay, so let me give you an updated definition. It's not going to be on the screen for you, so I'm going to, I'm going to say it twice, but it's a little bit longer. Um, the, the sermon is the spiritual characteristic the spiritual characteristic of sound judgment. You got that far? Spiritual characteristic of sound judgment for perceiving right and wrong. Should have put this one on screen for you. I didn't. I'll send it to you later. Of sound judgment for perceiving right and wrong, good or evil. Truth of error and identifying God's will and direction for his people. Spiritual characteristic of sound judgment for perceiving right and wrong, good or evil, truth or error, and identifying God's will for direction in his people. It's the underlying part right there on the bottom of the page. Doesn't make it easy for you. Pass that to Kathy and Cindy. I had you in mind when I decided not to put it on the screen, just to mess with you a little bit. If you think about it from that particular point of uh, right and wrong, good and evil, <clears throat> we have to start applying discernment to every decision. You with me? Every decision. Whether it be the person that you date or marry, the person that you hang out with, uh, what you do at school, what you do at work, what you decide to do as far as taking a new job, what you do as far as your marriage problems that you have going on, what you do on whether or not you're going to fudge the numbers a little bit on your tax return, whatever decisions we've got, what we're going to support with our finances and our time and our resources, all of these things come back to discernment. So if you look at it from God's viewpoint, 
every single decision needs that spiritual gift. Every single one. Because you and I are just not as smart as God. And when we make decisions off of, well, well, it seems to me this, I almost always put myself into a place where the, the status quo is protected. I'm okay for another couple of days. And then when everything falls in because I did my way instead of God's way, I'm going, oh, why did God let this happen to me? He didn't make that happen to the Bengals. It's just the way it is. He chose the wrong team. Love you. Another definition. Let's put this one up. Sinclair Ferguson, yeah, I'm sure you guys all take and follow Sinny's blog, um, from Legionnaire.org. Discernment is learning to think God's thoughts after him, practically and spiritually. It means having a sense of how things look in God's eyes and how, that, how seeing them in some measure uncovered and laid bare. You cannot do that without the Spirit. Without the Spirit, it will be covered. It will not be laid bare. So the sermon is leaning into the Holy Spirit's understanding. Next slide we'll give you on. Oh, did I get too fast? Yeah. <laughs> is the bee gone? Is the bee gone? I think so. Paisley's got no mouth right now. Just, it's nothing. Is this stuff there? <laughs> I think I'm going to preach for an extra hour today just because this is so amusing for me to watch. Okay, but you good? If not, I'll forward it on to you. Um, I also want to give you this, not just understanding discernment, but the impacts of discernment. Discernment does four things on the minimum. One, it protects you. If you're using God's discernment, it will protect you from putting yourself into worldly situations instead of godly situations. Two, it heals you. It takes and lets you see the things that hurt you or the things that you have gone through or the things that you're struggling with right now from God's perspective instead of your own. You will not be overwhelmed by them, but through the Spirit, through community, through some effort, through some love, through some understanding, through being misfits together, he brings healing through his discernment. Three, key. Uh, it's key to the Christian freedom. If we want to live Christ's freedom, what he's designed us for, then this is how we plug into it, is by seeing things through his eyes and judging accordingly. And four, it's a catalyst to spiritual development. If you want to grow in the four chairs of discipleship that we talked about, if you want to grow within these capacities of your spiritual gifts that we've talked about, if you want to grow within the great commission of the ministry that you are called to, this is the catalyst is by seeing things through God's eyes instead of your own. Look at it from Rahab's standpoint. Protection, absolutely. It saved a butt, saved a family's butt by using discernment versus what was waiting for her from a worldly standpoint. It brought healing. She... What had led to her living a life of having to provide for a family through prostitution is now gone. And why she could take and have an entire lifetime of saying, well, I'm just too far gone. God could never love me because I've, I've done too much. Rahab is one of the many, many examples that that's crap. He can never use me. I, I, I have no future. I've destroyed everything that I've done. My reputation is crap. Uh, Rahab is one of many, many examples that says that's not true. By discernment, she was healed, and it led to a key of Christian freedom that she was not destroyed with the rest of Jericho. This is the precursor to the whole marching around the, tent, the city and blowing the horns and everything coming down. She was not impacted by any of that. She was saved. And it's a catalyst to spiritual development. The way we know this is because this is not the end of Rahab's story. No one's story is finished without Christ. 
You can write down this one. I didn't put it up there for you, but Joshua 6.25. Uh, I'll read it to you since I'm here. You can go there if you want since it's still open. Hey, then, luck. Uh, says, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she had lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So she was not just not destroyed, but they have taken her in and she is now grafted into God's story. She is grafted into the Jewish community. Next time we pick her up, and I will put this one on screen for you with Lisa's help, is Matthew 1.5. In Matthew 1, we get a lineage. Remember, we talk a lot about, like, the family trees. And this is, I love family trees because it shows us that they're real people, and this is not just made-up fairy tale stuff. She shows up in this particular lineage that she, after this, married Salmon, which was a Jewish man. And they had Boaz. And if you remember Boaz, he's the one that saved Ruth and took and saved her family back into the Jewish faith. It was a very important story in the Old Testament. Would not happen if there wasn't Rahab to have Boaz. She is now completely and totally grafted into the Jewish community, and she is grafted into their story. So much so that this particular lineage is the lineage of who? Jesus. She's one of the only women mentioned in that lineage because at that time they did not mention women in lineages. It was all about the dads. But that Matthew thought she's too important in the story that she is grafted into not just the community, but Jesus Christ himself came from her lineage. She had, it was a catalyst of spiritual development. It was her freedom. It was her healing. It was her protection. Uh, if you go to James, James talks about it once. Next one there, I think. James 2, 24 through 25, where he's trying to talk to us about, listen, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. But if your faith in Jesus Christ doesn't produce works, your faith is dead. There's a circular thing here within it. And who does he use as an example? Rahab. You see that if, uh, that is a person is justified by works and not just by faith. And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. If you feel like you're completely out and you have messed up way too much and God can't use you, you can be a testimony 2,000 years from now on what it's supposed to look like with the summit by following the Holy Spirit. If you would like to go further into Rahab, I do want to give you this little side note. Um, back to the video podcast, I think it was three, four years ago, maybe even further than that, I can't remember. Uh, I did a series on uh, Woman of the Bible that you can find on a YouTube page pretty easily. Uh, and one of those is, is completely on Rahab. And there's more, more details on her life there if you want to go into that. But the main question today is what about you? How do you grow into sermon? If you want to be into sermon. We're not talking about safe stuff. We're talking about stuff that gets you outside of the status quo, gets you outside the world, and lets you live with some God life. But do you want more? Then pray. We'll see it time and time again in Scripture, especially when we come back to wisdom. Pray, God, help me to have discernment. Help me to have your viewpoint. Help me to, to understand. Get into the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, how do you know the Word of God? Because if you're just counting on me, you're in trouble. Get into the Word of God, not, okay, I'll do a chapter a day, and up, I fell asleep before I did my chapter a day. Get into the Word of God. If you get in once this week, and that's more than normal, yay. But get into the Word of God. Let, want to breathe it. Listen to his testimonies. She didn't even have the Word of God. All she had was testimonies. How do I hear testimonies that encourage me? As I hang out with you guys. And I hear what God is doing in your life. And I hold on to those promises because that means that he's going to be good to me too. 
And when things really, really blow, I remember how he was good before, and he's going to be good again. Testimonies help us with that discernment. When I experience his grace, when I experience his move, it's a progressive unfolding to us of true condition of the heart. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.